Genesis chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him, because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you, to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Matthew chapter 15 Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment.
Hello. Have you ever seen someone you know really well out of context and not recognize them? Or have them not recognize you? It can be very embarrassing. It can also be quite funny. A few years ago, my husband Andrew accompanied me in my first ever 10K race. He's run marathons, so this was dead easy for him. Afterwards, I decided that I never needed to do that again, so I invested in the photo taken during the race. I was showing it proudly to my home group when someone asked who the fit bloke was who was running with me. No matter how many times we said it was Andrew, and he even offered to change into his running kit to prove it was him, she never ever believed us. I think she thought I had a secret personal trainer. In our Old Testament reading, we heard the reveal of one of the most famous examples in history of someone not being recognized. And it's neither embarrassing nor funny. It's overwhelmingly emotional. Of course, it's not really surprising that Joseph's brothers don't recognize him. It's 20 years after they sold an upstart teenager into slavery. And he's fully dressed up as an Egyptian. I'm fighting hard not to break into song here. Last week, we heard some of the backstory. But a lot has happened since Joseph was sold to passing traders. Being a slave went okay for a while until he landed through no fault of his own in prison. But from prison, he went to serving Pharaoh through the very skill in interpreting dreams that had so annoyed his brothers. And not just serving him, but running the whole country and steering it through the worst economic and social crisis in memory. In fact, Joseph was so successful that people from other countries suffering the same troubles as Egypt came to him for aid, including his ten older half-brothers. Now Joseph put his brothers through a series of challenges before he gave them aid. It isn't explained why. Was he testing whether they've changed, grown up into wiser, kinder men? Or was he simply trying to arrange things so that his little brother Benjamin would end up staying with him in Egypt? The Bible sometimes leaves us with these questions. Like, why doesn't Jesus speak to the Canaanite woman at first? Is he testing her, like Joseph tested his brothers? I think that perhaps God wants us to search for our own answers as we face problems in our own lives and learn to trust in him. But more of that later. Back in Pharaoh's palace, what pushes Joseph over the edge into making this big reveal? Well, Judah, who instigated the whole selling Joseph thing, admittedly to stop him being killed, has stepped up and, in an impassioned speech, has 
begged that Benjamin be allowed to return home to his elderly father and has even offered himself as a slave in exchange. Joseph is overcome by Judah's love. Forgiveness and reconciliation follow. And Joseph really forgives them. He doesn't just say, okay, I forgive you because you've clearly changed and are sorry. Neither is there any crowing that the very dream that enraged the brothers so much has come true as they bowed before him. He actually tells his bewildered brothers to stop beating themselves up about what they did to him. He was meant to come to Egypt one way or another. Joseph's grasp of the big picture at this moment is astonishing. God has always intended for Joseph to be the means of the salvation of the family, and not just his family, but the nation of Egypt. Twice, he says, God sent me before you to preserve life, to preserve you. And the reconciliation is joyously uncontained. Joseph weeps. Benjamin weeps. I suspect those older brothers might have wiped away the odd tear too. I can't help thinking that this story carries hints of the gospel to come. Forgiveness and reconciliation are gospel words, and although those actual words aren't in the passage, they ooze from every sentence. This is the heart of God. This is what gives him joy. Judah, who offered to become a slave to allow his brother to go free, is the ancestor of Jesus, who gave his life so that all who wanted to could become his brothers and sisters. We also see that right from the beginning, God's plans were not just about Israel. Israel's boys are saved to become a nation because Egypt is saved by Joseph. Verse 16 says that Pharaoh and his servants are pleased that Joseph has found his family. Pharaoh invites them all to come and be safe in his land. Now, we know that it goes wrong later, but 400 years is a long time. Countries can go off the rails in a lot less time than that. And I think perhaps this is a link with the New Testament passage today. Because we see Jesus healing the Canaanite woman's daughter, even though he is there to escape the crowds and his disciples are trying to send her away. God's plan has always been to save all peoples. Heaven will hold all colours of skin, perhaps even a pharaoh or two. But Joseph, Joseph is also simply a man navigating life, a man whose example we can learn from. So what aspects of his story resonate with us today? One of the things we learn from the Bible in general, and Joseph in particular, 
is that difficult, even shattering times are inevitable in a fallen world. Just look at the world today. Many people have suffered severely in 2020, including some in our own parish. And sadly, it looks as though many around the world will continue to suffer over the coming months. Meanwhile, others have escaped lightly or even thrived. Joseph's story shows us that whether we experience suffering or escape it, that in itself doesn't tell us whether we are right with God. Instead, how we respond to difficulties and successes reveals the sort of person we are and the strength of our relationship with God. So before we get swept up with the return to the new normal in the autumn, I think this is a good time to reflect on the last few months, to help us learn from our experiences, maybe even to help us make changes in the way we live, work, even do church in the future. The questions I've been asking myself include, what has given me joy? What has helped me grow closer to God? Is there anything I want to hold on to from lockdown? What will I be pleased to see the back of? I'm finding them difficult questions, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't ask them. And it's important to realize that trying to answer these personal questions won't give me an answer to the big question, why does God allow such suffering to happen? I'm afraid that this sermon isn't really going to address that, although I can recommend Bishop Tom Wright's book, God and the Pandemic, which looks at this some more, if this is where you're wrestling with God at the moment. But I hope that my questions will help me to discern what God wants me personally to learn at this time. So, back to Joseph. What did the ups and downs of life teach him? Well, he learnt to hold on to God through the most dreadful times and to give God the glory in the good times. He learnt that relationships matter more than success or wealth. And he learned that God was in control, even when it really didn't seem like it. I reckon Joseph would totally agree with the Apostle Paul that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Those are lessons I'd like to learn too. I'm going to close with the Methodist Covenant Prayer, both because I think it sums up Joseph's attitude to life, but also because it feels freshly relevant for the challenges of 2020. I am no longer my own God, but yours. Put me to what you will, rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing 
put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven.